So today we're in Genesis chapter 2, the first three verses here. Last week we flew over six days of creation, and I thought it, it would be good to slow down and, and, and take time on one of God's greatest inventions, the weekend. The invention of the weekend is what today is about. So we'll look at this. So let's pray, and we'll look at our passage. Uh, Father, we do thank you and praise you for this day. We thank you for your word. Uh, we ask that you would lead us today as we, we continue our study uh, through Genesis. Father, we thank you for your creation. We thank you for uh, creating this wonderful place that we live. Uh, we thank you uh, for the heavens and the earth and this life that you've given us. It is so mind-boggling, uh, amazing. It's, it's simply overwhelming as we look at creation and we look at our lives and the the, the details, the intricacy of things, it, it's, it's overwhelming. We thank you that your creation points to you. And Father, we pray that as we look at today's passage, that you would lead us, that you would guide us, uh, that you would draw us closer to yourself and help us uh, to become more like you. And it's in Christ's good name we pray. Amen. All right, Genesis chapter 2, verse, verse 1. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed, and all their hosts. By the seventh day, God completed his work, which he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had done. Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because in it he rested from all his work, which God had created and made." And Father, we do thank you for your word. We ask that you would lead us now, and it's in Christ's good name we pray. Amen. Well, I enjoyed looking at this passage this week. You know, it was a, a shortened week, for some of us at least. Veterans Day fell on Thursday. Veterans Day is one of those holidays I take because I figured that the, the government took many weekends from me. And I think Veterans Day is just trying to pay back veterans for lost weekends that they gave up. And uh, so, so I, I, I took the time to take the day off. I, I also want to slow down on this passage. Is this kind of, it was interesting to me that this passage uh, fell on a week that was a shortened week because one of my greatest struggles, uh, I'm going to say in my adult life, which kind of began when I left the military after, you know, 12 years. Um, so I was kind of an adult already, but, you know, when I left the military, it was like, oh, there's like freedom. Like I, like I you didn't. In the military, it was like I, the weekends weren't a sure thing. I mean, it was kind of like if I got a weekend, it was wonderful. The idea of planning something for the weekend beyond like what was 24 hours was unheard of because you just like we didn't know what was coming up. And so consequently, when I left the military and, you know, the very logical transition from Navy SEAL is to go to become a pastor. And so there was a lot of things I had to learn that, that didn't necessarily translate. And one of the struggles... That I, that I really struggled with and is still is not in my nature today is the whole spiritual discipline of, of really taking a day off for rest. And so this is something that God cares about. So I, I thought we would just kind of focus here and look at this because it's something that I'm constantly convicted about. And so we look at verse one, uh, thus the heavens and the earth were completed and all of their host. Genesis chapter two, verse one. Uh, we see the completion of creation. This verse doesn't seem to fit. I mean, it, it's kind of like, why is this here? 
And I thought I normally always talk about this French guy that gave us chapters and verses. So we really are thankful. The guy's name is Stephanus. He lived during the 16th century and he was a scholar and he also was a printer. So he published books. And, and so when he was publishing the Bible, he, like it was, he thought it would be a good thing if we could come up with some sort of way to, to navigate through the chapters and verses of the Bible uh, just for ease of, a, of, of lining things up. So, so I'm deeply grateful for him. Prior to the 16th century, the Bible was just the Bible. And, and it was, there were books of the Bible. And, and you read a book that you buy in the store or Amazon, there's not really verses for each sentence. Like you do get chapters, but it's made it very easy for us to, to navigate this section of scripture. Like I can sit here in this huge book and say this book, this chapter, this verse, and you all can get there really quick. It's, it's a, a beautiful thing. But it's important for us to remember that the chapters and verses aren't inspired of God. It was a French guy in the 16th century who put him in there. And we're deeply grateful. And so some, most of the time he did a great job of sort of dividing up the Bible other times he missed because, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to do things perfectly. And so here, this verse, uh, chapter 2, verse 1, even a lot of Bibles might even sort of paragraph the heading and, and include it in chapter 1 or kind of piece it there. And it seems to be the bookend of Genesis 1-1, which reads, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And then he explains sort of the six days of creation, which we looked at last week. And then we come to thus the heavens and the earth were completed and all their hosts. So we have this nice, neat little package of, of God's creation. And so in six days, God created the heavens and the earth. And now we see this last day, this odd sort of day that hangs out there all by itself, this seventh day of creation. It's fascinating to me if you look at sort of societies across the world um, for, for as far as it goes back, as far as I can tell, operate on a seven-day week. Uh, apparently, I think it was the French way back when tried to create a 10-day week, and it just flopped. Like, it didn't go over well. Um, and I might be wrong on the French. It's just easy to pick on the French a lot of times. So I just, it comes, it comes naturally. It's like, oh, it had to be the French that tried that, and it didn't work out. No offense if you're French. Um, I, and, sorry, and others. I, uh, so then we come to verse 2. So God created the heavens and earth. And now, we, now here we're at the seventh day. The seventh day, God completed his work, which he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all of his work, which he had done. And so the seventh day sort of stands apart. Um, and in the context of the Bible, as the Bible re- references the, the creation story, I, I again, I hold to that I believe that this is our literal 24-hour days that we're speaking of. It seems to be a pattern uh, for, for humans to follow um, as Jesus and other people refer back to this story, it's always sort of discussed in in the the literal twenty four hour day window. And so now we have the seventh day uh, begins, and we're told that God had completed all the work which He had done, and that He rested. And we need to read it correctly. It does. It doesn't say that God needed to rest. In fact, the Hebrew word is more of an idea. Of that God ceased working. So if you read God rested, you might think of me like as I see all of the the green sprouts coming up on the ground. It's like, oh brother, like uh, 
Like, I don't, like, I haven't actually had to pull out the weed whacker yet, but it's coming. And I'm, like, so out of weed whacking shape right now. And I know, like, the first weed whacking day that comes up, it's like a multi-day process. And then I inevitably go out there. I'm all nasty from the weed whacking. And it's like, I like, I, I take multiple breaks. And I'll text Anna. I'm like, hey, I'm just in the garage. Can you bring me some water, you know? Um, and... And so this isn't like God's got his weed whacking clothes on and he's all, you know, weed whacked up and now he needs to take a little break and he's, he's catching his breath. That's not what's happening. And God is almighty. He's all powerful for him uh, to create the heavens and the earth, everything that we know, see, touch, feel. It's mind boggling that it took six days. Like God chose to take six days, but he just spoke it into existence. So this, this is beyond our comprehension. And then we're told specifically that on the seventh day, all work ceased. It just, he stopped. So it's sort of like the idea of the kids game, red light, green light. You know, red light means stop, green light means go. Is there a yellow light that we play with in that game? I don't play that game that often, but it's, it's God put the red light on himself, stopped. I'm not going to do anything. I'm just going to appreciate that which was created. And I think that the emphasis of these two verses that we're going to look at and that will jump sort of through the scripture to see what the Sabbath became is I really believe that God is creating this pattern for his creation to follow, specifically humans, that there's this pattern of working for six days and then ceasing on the seventh day. So we simply observe at this point that on the seventh day, God's work was completed He rested on the seventh day from all the work that he had done. And then in verse 3 we read, Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because in it he rested from all his work which God had created and made. And so on the seventh day, there's something unique about this day. Um, I I will point out this is is pre-Mosaic law. This isn't, which we'll look at, the, the giving of the Sabbath to, to humans or to, to Israel in, in uh, specific. Um, but this day was created, and then we're told that this day was blessed by God and that it was sanctified by God, which is just a weird thought, that there's something unique about the Sabbath that's, that's unique and special and it almost seems like that the day is special because it's, it's marking this, this place in history where God froze everything that he was doing. And he took a 24-hour window to do nothing, which in of itself is, like, fascinating. Like, I don't think that God continues to take... I don't know that... Like, I should say, I say this... This is just Gunner shooting from the hip. I haven't done an exhaustive study on this, but I don't think that God takes breaks on Saturdays anymore. Like, I... I, I like, I, this might have been like a one-time event where, like, he created and he froze and he just observed the good creation that he made. You've got to remember, there was no sin yet. So, like, everything was perfect. It's like, there wasn't, like, anything he had to do. Now the world's a disaster because of our sin. And there's, like, you know, God's got people talking to him all the time, like, hey, this disaster, this is going on. Like, there's, there's... But this day in particular, I think, is like blessed because it, it's like memorial life. Like what God did on this day is super special. And so if we just kind of stopped in Genesis, we'd be done for today. That's like, you know, that's what Genesis says. 
but because the Sabbath throughout the Bible is such an important topic, we see it throughout the Old Testament and then really in the New Testament when when Jesus comes to earth and he's living his life, one of the things that he was most criticized for was how he handled his life on the Sabbath. And so I think it's important to like uh, to examine the Sabbath. So from creation, nothing's really mentioned about the Sabbath for a, a, a while, like a, a long time. So it doesn't seem like Adam and Eve and the early like, people, it didn't look like that they had to observe the Sabbath. It just seems like that they were going about their life and everything was okay and but as we fast forward through Scripture, we fast forward past the fall, chapter 3 of Genesis. We'll get through the flood, uh, which the, the destruction of like the known world and the, the atmosphere is going to change. We're going to see stuff there. Then the Tower of Babel, uh, where we see the, the, the creation of, of human languages, uh, which, I mean, that's an amazing thing. That like Before, there was like a worldwide one language. It was just all like one language, and then God split up the people, and then these languages formed, and now I'm just trying to get a handle of a second language, which isn't going very well. Um, <laughs> it'll take the rest of my life. Um, then we get to the, the patriarchs, which we begin sort of in chapter 12 of Genesis. We see, we see the patriarchs going about living their life. Eventually, we see uh, Israel taken into captivity into Egypt. And then after their time in Egypt, as they're coming out of captivity the book of Exodus comes. And the the law is given. And I think it's important to keep the law sort of in context, to think that here's this people group. They started a very small number, then they exponentially got larger in in number. And they were were enslaved to Egypt, kind of like somebody in the military. You know, you just kind of go through your, you're doing whatever they tell you to do. You don't really have freedom to do what you want to do. and, And then they get out of it. And so now this people group, this, this nation is formed coming out of slavery. And so God gives them these guidelines for how to live their lives because they didn't know how to navigate certain things. And so then within the law, which is really 613 commands that, that we can count of all sort of different things, like just basic premise of like how to live life, how to go about things from like a hygienic thing, how to do work, how to how to navigate, there's, then there's these 10 special ones that we know as the Ten Commandments. And so the fourth of the Ten Commandments is this one, to remember the Sabbath. And it's found in Exodus chapter 20, verses 8 through 11. <clears throat> and there, this is what we read. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy, which holy means set apart for a specific purpose. For those of you that were around back in uh, Galatians, this is where I keep bringing up the olive dish because I like eating olives. And in Spain, there's a special dish that's consecrated for a very special purpose. There's olives, and then there's a little bowl for your seeds. And so we like using that dish, but only for special occasions because it's only for that. It doesn't work for chips and salsa because the bowl is too small. It's a different subject. Okay. Keep it holy separated, consecrated for a specific purpose. Then they're told in verse 9, six days you shall labor and do all of your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male or your female servant or your cattle or your sojourner who stays with you, for in six days the Lord 
made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Uh, it's just this beautiful picture. It, it continues down in Leviticus, and then the Sabbath year appears, that every seventh year you're supposed to like break from like working the land, from doing all this stuff, which we're not going to get into this. We're going to keep it nice and simple today. The, the, when we look at the fourth commandment, it's so simple and wonderful that God created his creation to have a, this work period and then this day of, of pause to rest. Like God created the weekend to be a blessing to us. Like this is something that we could just pause and consider for a while. Like that, that this idea in our super busy, super hectic schedules where like things are all over the place and kids are signed up for all sorts of, of things and there's, there's like n- no uh, respect or concern about even like a Sunday being a day not to schedule stuff. It's just like packed with all kinds of things. You go to some parts of the world, uh, like, you know, like the East Coast and stuff. Like, I, I don't even know if it's East Coast, but I remember as a kid, the first time I traveled and I was like going somewhere on a Sunday and I'm like, I just, I was in the military. I'm like, I need to go get something from a store. And you get to the store and it's like, it's closed. Huh? Like, why is it closed? Like, and you find somebody like, is there a store that's open? And they're like, no, it's Sunday. What's that mean? Like, it's, you know, or today, if you try to go to Chick-fil-A today, you're not going to have any luck because they're closed on Sundays. Like, like this, this is not something that our culture today really value. Like, the fact that it's Sunday, it's just another day to fill up with stuff t- to do. But to ponder that God and his creating humanity's sort of flow. He created us to be like him. God is a creative God, so we're supposed to be creating and working and doing. And like, there's that, that, there's that drive within us. But then God points to himself, this, this God who will not grow tired, who doesn't need rest, doesn't need anything, but he paused and he set this sort of model for us to sort of, to, to mimic And he did it to be a blessing to us. And this is it. This this is the simplicity. God worked for six days. He took the seventh day off, so you should do the same. Now we fast forward through time, and we get to Jesus' time. So if you have your Bibles and you're following along, and we come to Mark chapter 2. And this this story in Mark chapter 2 sort of like encapsulates, um, it, it encapsulates, what had what had happened to the Sabbath? They, they had created all of these rules. So the rabbis came along, and the, the the Sabbath is simply just to rest. But then the question is like, well, you get a water leak on on the Sabbath. Are you allowed to fix your like? Are you allowed to go fix? Your, I hope somebody doesn't have a water leak today. I'm not like I hear I hear people laughing, and it's like that's a dangerous thing to talk about in Valley Center. But it's like, are we allowed to go work? And so then these guys had, had these additional rules for all of the parameters of what they could or couldn't do on the Sabbath and exceptions to the rule. And they turned what God intended to, to be a blessing into this total like nightmare of a system. A few years ago, I read this book. 
and it was titled, I forget the title exactly, but it was this guy, a secular guy, and it was a year of living biblically. So he was Jewish by descent, and he's like, you know what, I want to just try to go for it for a year. He lived in New York City, and it was, the guy is super funny. And so then he kind of starts out with like, okay, I'm going to do this, a year to live like a Jew. I'm a Jewish man. And I think he was hurting like his, his work as far as being an a, a, like a author. He needed something new to write about. And so he thought, if I write about being a Jew, this will be a great thing to write about this book. So he writes the book. He's learning to live by the ropes. And then he quickly realizes that suddenly on a Saturday, there's like certain like, uh, there's, you have to kind of freeze your life. And so then he starts reading through the rabbi's rules and regulations and then learning from the Jews who had sort of like been doing this for a while. And then he realized, he's like, oh, there's an exception for body of water. Like if you live in one spot, like you're only allowed to travel so far on the Sabbath, according to them. And then, but if, if you have waterfront property, but the town is over there, that, that's farther than that distance, then there's, a, there's an exception. So if you are traveling over a body of water, then you can extend your trip for as far as you need to go. And so then what he quickly realized is that the Jews in his neighborhood, what they were doing is they take a water bottle, they would place it under their car seat, so he's over a body of water. And so then he's like driving all around, and it's like, this guy's hilarious. But then he started, I mean, I can't even want to go into all the stuff he's like, all kinds of stuff. Then he realizes, like, the women, like, are they clean or are they unclean? Like, how am I supposed to know, like, where I can sit or not sit? So then he has this whole little stool that he carries with him on the subway, and his wife was, like, furious with them by the end. Like, this whole book is really hilarious. It highlights how they, the human nature will sabotage that what God has intended for good. God's message about the Sabbath was simple. Take a break. Rest. Not legalistically, not for a bunch of rules. Clearly, like, there's stuff that comes up, but we're talking about the natural flow and pattern of your life. Be disciplined about taking a break, taking a day off, focusing on God, just exhaling. Like, this is what God intended. Then all of these rules came about, and now we find ourselves in Mark chapter 2. Mark, in the very beginning of his gospel, begins sharing with the tension that the religious Jews had with Jesus. And so we read that it happened, verse 23, it happened that he was passing through the grain fields on the Sabbath. And his disciples began making, uh, to make their way alongside all, let me start, and his disciples began to make their way along while picking the heads of grain. And so this is simple. This is like in my mind, it's like a beautiful like picture. Like they've, they've, they've gone to synagogue. They've done their time. Now they're just kind of like walking along. They're, they're on the grain fields. This is not, I also have to point out Valley Center, this isn't like they're breaking into somebody's crop and stealing all their avocados. This is the, the law allowed for along the path. If you could reach in and grab something, then you could take it and you could kind of nibble along the way. It was, it was built into their system. So I, in my mind, have this like beautiful image along the, like the Sea of Galilee on, on like a, you know, late afternoon. The sun's just perfect for the picture in my mind. And they're kind of walking along. They're grabbing a head of wheat. 
they're smashing it up to get rid of all the stuff, and then you're left with the thing that you can eat, and they're just, they're just kind of eating it. Kind of like, you know, in, in my mind, to, to make this modern, I just imagine a, a bag of uh, salted roasted peanuts, you know? They're just kind of going along, chitter-chattering, eating their peanuts. It's a beautiful day. It's beautiful. Then in verse 24, the whole story is ruined in my mind. The... And then the Pharisees, it's like they jump out of the bush. Like they're sitting there waiting to attack them for something, anything. And so the Pharisees were saying to him, look what they are doing. It is not lawful on the Sabbath. So wait, so his guy's walking down the road, taking a thing, smashing their hands, putting it in their mouth. Somehow that had become unlawful. Now, we have to point out, again, that this isn't from the Bible. Like, this isn't something in the fourth commandment. When we read it, I just read it to you. It just simply says God worked for six days. On the seventh day, he took a break. And this is the pattern that you're supposed to follow. It doesn't say you're not allowed to, like, snack. Like, just to be clear. But what they had done is somewhere along the lines, you know, somebody was doing cooking. It's like, well, is this work? Like, is my cooking breakfast, is this working according to the law? Because I have a big family, and so it feels like work, so is it work? And so then all of these things sort of, like, came out to expand. You know, you know I, I'm a nice guy. Like, I want to take it from the, the, the assumption that they meant well. And so I know, like, my oven has a feature on it. I've never used it. I don't even know how it works, but it's, like, the Sabbath mode that I think on, like, Saturday afternoon, you can put your meat in there, and Sunday comes around, you don't actually have to turn it on. It'll do it all for you. So you're technically not working. If you find yourself in Israel and you go into the elevator, you only make the mistake once. You only take the Sabbath elevator on a Saturday once. Because you go in and you're like, oh, I'm going to the 17th floor. Boop. And then you're in there, and it becomes like the scene from Elf, you know, where he does like, like with all of the... Nobody watches Elf here? Is it just me? Like, they're just like, and it's like, you go at every floor. The elevator go, stops at every floor on the way up, and it stops on the floor on the way down. It's like, well, why? Because to press the button would be work. And so they prearrange so that you can go there, and you can take your elevator all the way up and all the way down, and, and no work. And so they get to him, and these guys just snacking on the heads of grain as they're walking, just hanging out with Jesus, wonderful day. They jump out of the bushes, and they say, aha, your guys are breaking the law. So what the accusation was that they had broken is that they had harvested wheat, they threshed the wheat, and then they were preparing a meal. So this was all work. And they're like, we got you, Jesus. Here you are, breaking the Sabbath. Legalism, like this is what religion can do. Like we go through these motions. We think that we're being pleasing to God. We create all of these rules. Because the reality is, is we like rules. Like I like, like we like rules. We like structure. Or, or maybe it's just my like German blood. Like I like little boxes that I can check off. I like Excel spreadsheets. I like things to be structured. And so if you say, don't work, well, like, what exactly does that mean? Well, this is wonderful. We have go to 
uh, you know, 13.2 in this document will tell you exactly what work is and what work isn't. And this falls under the umbrella of work. You should have harvest prepared all of these things in a little Ziploc bag on Friday so that today when you're walking, you could just eat them and that wouldn't be work. And so this whole, this, what this is, is their teaching, which, which it's their yoke. Like they refer to their teaching as the yoke. And so their yoke had become burdensome. It was, it was weighty. This day that God had blessed his people with to rest and find enjoyment, they had created all of these rules. And so it was just another day that was like backbreaking. Like their work week was probably less stressful than Saturday because of what they had done to it. And so in their mountain of rules, they make the accusation that, you, that they had broken the law. Then we come to verse 25, and it, he said to them, have you never read what David did when he was in need and his companions became hungry, how they entered the house of God in the time of Abathar, the high priest, and he ate the consecrated bread, which is not lawful for anyone to eat except the priest? And he also gave it to those who are with him. Now, we're not going to look at this whole story, but in 1 Samuel, there's a story, David's on the run. He goes to the priest. There's a special bread. Nobody's supposed to touch it. David kind of tells a little, like, he makes up a little story because he's trying to protect his guys. The guy says, okay, you're really hungry. Is everybody, is everybody uh, sexually clean and pure right now? And he says, yeah, everything's good. And so he gives them, like, you know, and I'm, 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 I'm just imagine, like, you know, like the... See, I was going to say our communion crackers, but now we have the little juice, and I'm imagining all the like. Just imagine all those little special pieces of bread that you got to like peel apart those little wafers. So basically, he gives David like special little wafers that's for communion only. You know, it's not supposed to be for this, but he gives him this food that's supposed to be consecrated only for the priests to eat. And there was no condemnation. And he, Jesus says to him, "Don't you remember that story? Don't you don't you remember when David did this?" And, and there was no condemnation. Again, the story is from 1 Samuel 21, if you want to read it. And Jesus says to them, the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. And so Jesus, at the end of this little teaching to them, as they're jumping out of the bushes trying to condemn Jesus and his guys for breaking the Sabbath, Jesus reminds them, like, hey, guys, go back to the fourth commandment. The fourth commandment was simple. God loves humans. These are people that he created. He worked for six days. He took the seventh day off as an example for humanity to follow. It's simply to rest. The Sabbath was created to be a blessing to man, not for man to become a slave to your rules of the Sabbath, and that's what you've created. And so he puts them in their place, and he says, the whole Sabbath is supposed to be a blessing. The weekend is supposed to be a blessing. We're supposed to enjoy a day off to take to take a break. We do we have time? Ah, we. I wasn't planning on having time, but now I'm looking at the time and it's like, do we have time? I think. Yeah, let's go over to Hebrews, Hebrews chapter four. So it's towards the back of the Bible in Hebrews chapter four. So the author of Hebrews sort of expands on this, this, the Sabbath concept. Um, and, and things kind of change. I need to figure out where I want to go because this isn't in my, in my notes. So um, Hebrews chapter 4, verses 1 through 14, 
you can read the first eight verses on your own. And in verse 9, the author says, So there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For the one who has entered his rest has himself also rested from his works as God did from his. Therefore, let us be diligent to enter that rest so that no one will fall through following the same example of disobedience. So this whole chapter basically is talking about salvation and, and works and, and this and sort of this idea of trying to earn your salvation, which the Mosaic Law really became this system of like, you, do, you check all these boxes, then you're good with God. If you fall short, you're not good. Jesus came and he lived under the law. He died under the law and he, he went to the cross for us and we're told it was finished. And, and there's nothing for us to do that salvation comes through faith. And in Hebrews chapter 4, there's this, there's this idea that's presented to us to enter into this, this rest spiritually. And then as we enter into this rest spiritually, which is the ultimate Sabbath that we, can, we don't have to strive anymore to try to get right with God, that God has created a system so that we can be right with him because of what Jesus has done for us. And then the chapter also sort of expands. And I think what it says is that because Jesus has provided this example of eternal rest, it leads to a pattern of rest within our, in our lives. And when you start thinking about a day taking off, the thing that really was convicting to me a few years, just like me speaking practically about the Sabbath and taking a day off, because um, I, I like working. Like, I, 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 can, I can just work. If I get my mind into something, I can just kind of go. And, I, and, I, and so for me to kind of like stop my, my week, it's really, it's really hard. And I got super convicted about this probably like three or four years ago. I, I forget exactly when, but I realized like I need to do something. Like I just need to stop. And it's like, well, I say, oh, my Sabbath is Sunday. Well, I'm kind of working up here, guys. I, so it's like, so I'd be cheating if I said, oh, Sunday is my day. Like, which it is kind of my day off because there is the corporate worship. Like I'm not in church because I'm a pastor. Like I'm in church because I'm a Christian. And so part of my Early in my Christian life, part of my like work, like life flow, not I don't want to say workflow, but, but I committed early on in my Christian life as I need to be at church on Sundays because I know the, the tendency of my heart and I need to be in corporate worship with people. I, I, I hadn't had this challenged in my Christian life until COVID struck. Then like 18 months ago or whatever it was when COVID struck and it was like, I'll never forget talking to another pastor in town. It's like, hey, are you guys having church on Sunday? He's like, yeah, why would we not have church on Sunday? It's like, oh, you haven't heard the news yet. And on that Thursday, then I realized like the whole world got turned upside down and then we didn't have church for like, you know, we took the 14, I don't want to get too much sarcastic, but we took a break. (laughs) We did our two weeks to flatten the curve and it was like a really challenging two weeks for me to kind of figure out like where does like corporate worship like figure, like where does safety and like, where does this figure? And it was a great 18 months of like grappling through, like, like going through this. And I think now more than ever, my conviction is that like, no, I need to be in church to worship because God's commanded it. Um, but, but I also like, like four years ago, going back the whole conviction about this whole Sabbath idea so about four years ago, I think, I started just taking Mondays off and being really disciplined about taking Mondays off and sometimes Tuesdays off. Tuesday's my little, like, that's my loophole day. That's like, sometimes I do, sometimes I don't, but it's not like, 
But I realized in order to press pause and, and to cease working, it takes faith. Like, it really takes faith to say, like, okay, God, I'm just not going to work. Like, there's all this other stuff that can be done. But by faith, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to press pause here and just, like, do stuff with the family. But then the kids are in school. Like, so it's, there's a whole bunch of, but I don't need to talk out my whole schedule with you guys, like, with the family and, like, the tensions. But it's, but it was, like, really hard because Anna knows, like, what I went, like, it was, like, if you follow our culture and being busy and doing stuff all the time according to our culture you're going to like you're going to send yourself to the grave early you're going to be stressed out you're going to like that's not what god wants of us and i think that god wants us to practically like prioritize ourselves around this idea of like a a 6 day work week a 1 day off we take two days off, so it's even better. Like, it's wonderful. Like, we get a two-day weekend is sort of the, the concept here in the United States. And it takes discipline, not, like, to, to just pause one day a week. And I do think that God wants us to do this, and I don't, like, it's not in a legalistic way. Like, things happen. Like, like some of us are in lines of work where it's like, you have to work on us. Like, but we, like, I think that God does want us to prioritize a, a day to rest. All right, so what do we do with all this? I've said it a bazillion times. I think that God, that was an exaggeration. I didn't say it a bazillion times. Um, I believe that God has created a pattern for us to follow. In this passage in Genesis, God created for six days and then he rested. God didn't need a rest. There was no desire. There was no reason for him to rest. There was not, like the only reason that God rested was to show his creation that, like, your excuse isn't good enough. <laughs> like, God took a break. There was no need for God to take a break. He took a break. It was sort of a pattern for us to follow. Charles Swindoll says this, we sometimes make an idol out of our productivity. I think that's true. We sometimes make an idol out of our productivity. If we do take some time out for relaxation and enjoyment, we immediately start to feel guilty. Amen? Like, I know, I, like, I totally suffer with this. But if we're serious about imitating God, then we must take time for leisure. We have to take time for rest to think and to appreciate. Whenever we do these things, we are doing exactly what God did. And that's a great thing to ponder, to consider that, like, if we're to be his Imitators, if we're to be Christ-like, part of that means building rest into our lives. And Jesus understood the, like, the hecticness and the burden and all of the things that we put on ourselves. And I think it, this is why Jesus in Matthew chapter 11, we're going to close with this passage. In Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30, Jesus says these words that we all like pretty much know, I think. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. His yoke is his teaching. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. It's a beautiful and relieving thought to think that our creator wants us to build rest into our weekly workflow. 
He wants us to build rest like he's created. Our salvation is not a system of works. Christianity is the, like the only religion that says it's finished. Come to him by faith. Receive the salvation which he's provided for you. In him, there's true rest. And then as we rest in him, we recognize that we have this God who cares for us, provides for us, and to press pause one day out of the week for productivity that God will continue to provide for us and to care for us. And I don't know about you, but I need help to to fulfill this in my own life. And so let's pray. Father, we do thank you and praise you for this day. We thank you, God, that you have created us to be uh, individuals who desire to, to work and to be productive and to provide and to do all of these things. It's a wonderful gift that you have given. And Father, we also thank you as we look at this creation account, this creation of the seventh day that you have set apart, that you have blessed. Father, I pray that you would help each of us under grace to determine and to figure out what this looks like in our own lives. Father, we Thank you for this day that we gather to, to worship you as a, as a church family. We thank you uh, for the, the slowness that Sundays so often bring, just to spend time with family, maybe to take a Sunday afternoon nap, uh, just, just to rest. And so, Father, we pray that you would help us to be spiritually disciplined in this way, to really keep our schedules before you and to trust you, Lord, for how we lead our lives. It's a difficult thing for me, and so I pray, Father, that you would just continue to lead us all in this way, and we thank you for the rest that we have in Christ, and it's in his name we pray. Amen.